0: Hello, welcome to ECFR podcast, I'm Mattia Tualdo, Policy Fellow here at ECFR dealing with Libya. I'm here today with Juma Gamati, an important Libyan politician, a protagonist uh, in the 2011 uprising and an envoy of the National Transitional Council here in the UK that year, now a founding member of the Tagir party. Uh, who joined the talks in Algiers. I'm also joined here by Mary Fitzgerald, author of the Mapping of Libya Factions for ECFR, award-winning journalist and analyst based in Tripoli uh, throughout 2014. Uh, Let's start uh, with Juma. Uh, It's four years now since the international intervention in 2011, what would you say went wrong since then?
1: Well, I think looking back at 2011 and the international intervention in Libya, which obviously was uh, criticized uh, uh, as well, I think it was uh, uh, correct. It was morally and politically right to intervene because Gaddafi turned uh, the Libyan revolution very bloody. He started using weapons against demonstrators and he was uh, uh, going to kill as many as possible in order to stop this revolution. So it was right for the international community to intervene and uh, prevent a major genocide or massacre in Libya. However, after the revolution was over on 20th of August uh, 2011 and Tripoli uh, was liberated, uh, there was no really concrete, uh, comprehensive plan to stabilize the country and have a clear... Uh, route map uh, for the transition although we had uh, the transitional uh, council the libyan transition national council with that issued earlier uh, uh, temporary uh, constitutional declaration that showed some uh, uh, political map but it wasn't really clear and comprehensive but more importantly the stabilization plan uh, the if you like the uh, the day after or the morning after what do we do how do we stabilize Tripoli and the other cities? How do we bring back the police force? How do we how do we rebuild the army quickly and all the security operators so that there is no security vacuum and there is no this uh, competition uh, for power and and everybody is uh, trying to grab as much power and, and wealth as possible. I think um, uh, the international community and especially the uh, alliance that the, the mainly America and Europe. Uh, Uh, should have remained engaged with Libya, engaged more politically and engaged more in the sense of capacity building and offering capacity support and offering uh, expert advice on how to Uh, rebuild all these uh, vital institutions very quickly. Instead I think the international community more or less walked away and left Libyans to their own devices out of the fear that they would be perceived as meddling in Libya and taken over Libya and and obviously with the hindsight of the bad Iraqi uh, experience when Brehma was installed as a governor of Iraq and all that uh, followed afterwards. So I think that maybe that is partly what uh, or mainly for me is what went wrong
0: and the irony is that uh, the uh, Libyan post-revolutionary leadership took some decisions which were similar to the ones that Paul Bremer took in Iraq there are some similarities with the debatification implemented by Bremer in Iraq and the political isolation law approved by the Libyan Parliament yeah,
1: I, th- I think the I think the political leaders that took over in Libya mainly the national the transitional National Council and the governments that followed I think they lacked experience they lacked uh, uh, strength uh, of character and 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 they lacked a vision and they made major mistakes for me probably the biggest mistake was the decision to pay to pay militias money and salaries i think that was the biggest mistake because that just opened a whole door for every young Libyan who was unemployed to join a militia and draw a very handsome salary which was over a thousand dinar when during Gaddafi's era the average salaries were about 300 dinar. I think that led to this proliferation and mushrooming of militias and instead of about 20 or 25,000 fighters during the revolution all of a sudden we had about quarter of a million people with arms and joining militias and drawing salaries from the state. So I think. That think that was, that was a, one of the key bad decisions that the Libyan political leaders out of um, inexperience and lack of vision and insight have made.
0: And unfortunately, those militias are there and are fighting uh, the Libyan civil war. And those camps are further fracturing every day, uh, Mary.
2: Yes, indeed. Since last summer, Libya has uh, what we could call uh, two very, very broad camps, uh, each comprised of a myriad of very diverse and uh, shifting alliances. Uh, Each camp uh, contains a constellation of different armed and political factions united only really in the sense of what they perceive to be a common enemy rather than long-term mutual interests or or goals. And as we've seen um, in in recent months, as time uh, goes on and uh, the process drifts uh, with no end in sight, each camp is experiencing uh, severe internal tensions and uh, resulting fracturing of both camps, which makes the prospects for an agreement or prospects for the UN facilitated dialogue uh, process, um, very, very uh, bleak indeed, and a deal looks increasingly um, elusive. Because, uh, you know, there was always a question in Libya of um, who is truly representative in Libya. Uh, Many Libyans uh, believe with uh, with good reason that actually politicians are not the power brokers in in Libya. It's the the men with the guns, the militias. Um, so it's very very difficult in terms of trying to determine who's truly representative. And if we talk about the armed factions in in each camp right now, um, notions of hierarchy and leadership have always been very very nebulous. So the question arises: um, Who can really secure a deal in Libya if a peace deal is is likely? Who are the peacemakers, the answer is not clear.
0: That's a good question, Uh, Juma. Who are the peacemakers and especially what kind of peace deal can they strike?
1: I think uh, uh, speaking to um, Leon and his team in Algiers and speaking to some of the European politicians recently, I think if we are lucky to strike a political deal and get this national unity government in place and it starts work. I think the, uh, based on the document that um, Leon released, there is very much uh, a new emphasis from the UN to carry on engaging with this government. They will not walk away. They will continue engaging with it and giving it all the support it, 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 it needs. However, I did raise the question of uh, how is this government going to work effectively if it is not protected uh, from the influence of the militias? Because the militias will always try to influence the decision makers to making decisions in the militia's favor whether it's appointments or contracts or money that has been the case over the last three years so i said you know vital institutions like the ministries like the f- prime minister's office like the airports like like the uh, crossing borders uh, the border control crossings uh, and the uh, the ports and everything all these institutions they need to be protected by somebody who's totally neutral and in this case i think there is an argument for an international peacekeeping force almost like blue berets. but i warned that these if they are on the table and they will be used they should not be from Western origin, they should be from Muslim countries and Arab countries so that there is less reason and incentive for them to be attacked by ISIS and, and extremists in Libya. Because as soon as you have Western troops, unfortunately, that is the case, as soon as you have Western troops on Libya's soil or any Arab or Muslim country's soil, that will be a strong incentive for the extremist IS. ISIS or Al-Qaeda-like doctrine uh, to, to use the rhetoric and the narrative to, to say that these are the crusaders coming back and the infidels and we have to fight them and so on. And, and they will use that to, to actually recruit more young, young uh, people uh, to them. So I think uh, uh, military intervention is, should not be considered. Peacekeeping, yes, but they have to be under UN and from uh, Muslim or Arab countries.
0: Mary, Juma uh, mentioned uh, the Islamic State, which is a threat to Libyans and also a threat to a potential national unity government. How do you see the potential of the Islamic State in Libya?
2: Well, I think it was always a question of not if, but when uh, Islamic State would emerge in in Libya um, as far back as over a year ago. um, Several political figures in in Libya from right across the political spectrum, including mainstream Islamists, were raising concerns and conversations with me about um, uh, what would happen when the young Libyan men who had gone to join Islamic State in Syria and Iraq started returning to Libya. Um, Unfortunately, the um, bitter political power struggle that Libya has been engulfed in since last summer has meant that the efforts to tackle the threat posed by uh, Islamic State have have been undermined by that. Because on one hand, uh, you have one side which has used uh, the question of Islamic State as a tool in which to smear their political opponents, claiming that they are um, acting in cahoots with Islamic State. This has, uh, until recently, uh, fed a tendency towards denial um, in the opposing camp, the camp which is based in, in, uh, in Tripoli. That has changed recently because that camp in, in Tripoli has, is increasingly targeted by Islamic State themselves. Uh, in Islamic State propaganda, they seem to be um, attacking the uh, so-called Dawn camp more than they're attacking the other side. We've also seen uh, forces from Misrata take on Islamic State affiliates in, uh, in the town of, of Sirte. Um, but up to now, it's still the case that both sides see the threat posed by Islamic State as less of a priority than prevailing over their political opponents. Until that equation changes, Islamic State will continue to grow.
0: Thank you very much to Juma al Gamati and Mary Fitzgerald for joining us for this ECFR podcast.